0: You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. Welcome back to another episode of Recovered Life. I'm here with George Snyder. How you doing, George? I'm very well, Damon Frank. Good to see you. Good to see you. You know, you are my favorite life and recovery strategist, and we always tackle some really interesting topics every time that we speak.
1: Always, always.
0: And, you know, we were talking on the phone last week and we were talking about asking for help. You know, the it's a big one because most people, if they've entered into recovery and in sobriety, they've had to ask for some sort of help and that's why they're identifying as having a problem. But there's all different issues that surround asking for help that have nothing to do even with uh, time, right? T- time that you've been sober.
1: There's a lifetime for many of us, I know for me and and so many others, of, of relying on self, self-reliance. And when that begins to fail is when I get into trouble. But when I found that there were substances I could uh, use and abuse that would keep me in a state where I didn't care whether anybody was out there to help me or not, but when that all stops working and I realize I am going to need help, that's a tough one. I I don't know how to do that. How do I ask for help? But when I do, it's an action. Then I'm getting out of that despair and apathy and nothing works. And i not why bother all of those low level negative energies, you know, Damon?
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things that, uh, I, you know, a lot of people think that it's th- that, oh, this person's not asking for help because they have pride, but sometimes it's not pride. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's fear. They're just afraid. They're maybe even afraid of the answer or they're afraid to ask. Right. They've just grew up in a way that asking for help was not that great of an
1: idea. Right. And pride, it, it's a funny one because underneath it is, as you say, Damon, it's fear, but it's also very much tied to resistance. I'm going to defend this because this is mine. This is important. This is mine. Pride always comes with a lot of possessiveness, you know? Yes. This is how I've always done it. And you can just feel you feel that energy coming up, you know? Not helpful, not helpful. So if we can yeah. get out of pride and into humility, and a certain amount of humility is going to be required to say, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me? Then you start engaging with others. Then you start getting into a place of willingness. Then you start beginning to be in that place of actually acting, right? And then you yeah, start moving up. Exactly.
0: I, You know, and I think too, you know, what, one of the things is, is that I, I look back on my own life and I say, man, you know, if only I would have asked for help about this life crisis that I was going to or just perspective from somebody else. But, you know, I know me and I don't know if you're in this situation or you know people or you've worked with people in the situation where I just was kind of raised where, you know, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you figure it out. And there is a sense of pride. It's like, you know what, I'm going to have to figure it out myself. And the reality is, is I don't have to figure out everything myself.
1: Right. And tied to that, I got to figure it all that myself is that pride, but also that resentment that because nobody bothered to teach me because nobody around, was around to help me when I really needed it but we carry that on into situations where there are people willing to help, but we need to ask. We get, and I remember somebody saying to me, do you wanna know what I think? And I said, well, yeah. And I said, why do you ask? And he said, well, if you don't ask, you're not gonna hear the answer. Yes. So yes. ask me, ask me. But that was very difficult. That was a big step forward. I don't know how to do this, can you help me? Yeah, just
0: you know, one of the things that I have noticed as years have gone on in recovery is that I'm much more interested now in just calling up in, and sometimes people don't have advice. They just have, they just have their experience about what they did, how they did it, what they felt like when it was going on. So it, you know, just hearing their experience sometimes it is the advice that I need. It's just to know that, Hey, I'm not the only one that's dealing with this.
1: Right. But, Again, that isolation of the lower emotions of the despair and the apathy, and nobody cares. And when I remember, I grew up in a farm where you had you, you, you want to build a fire in the fireplace, you go out to the wood, wood pile, right? So I'm there, I am in fancy New York City, and they give me a I'll never forget, it, they give me a Duraflame log, fancy dinner party. Would you, George, would you light the fire? And I'm like, what is this thing? I didn't, I'd never seen one before. So I unwrapped it. And they all sat there with their cocktails and I had a cocktail too or three or four. And I unwrapped this thing, which never did light because the lighting, you know, was in the paper. And I had no yes. idea. But I couldn't ask. And they just all yeah. sat there and watched. Yeah. Couldn't ask.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. So no fire that evening is what you're no saying. No fire. No <laughs> fire. <laughs> what, what is the what what is the mental process that you would tell your clients if they're every day they know they're facing the same problem and they know and they start to see, you know, whether it's through a 12 step group or it's friends and family, they know people can help them. What's the thought process that you go through with them to work in, to start trusting people, you know, which is, which is a big thing. You know, like I know when I first came in, I did not have a lot of trust of people. Mm. Uh, So what do you, what's your advice on that? What do you tell people, who just are afraid? You know, they just don't trust people. What do you tell people to do in that situation?
1: I think you can start. I think you can start small. I think you can begin to start asking uh, for for small stuff, and build it up from there. Um, I had to learn how to just engage with the world. I used to go out on the weekends and ask people. I was instructed go and ask people having a yard sale. How's it going? They're bored standing there with their crap on the sidewalk, you know, they're more than happy to chat with somebody who comes up and says, how's it going? And I had to practice that, that they weren't going to be mean to me, you know, that, but I was starting, we all come in at different levels. I had a real uh, difficult time with just engaging with the world You practice.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, you have to pick the appropriate people and we've had other episodes about building your recovery team. You have to pick the appropriate people. You know, sometimes people will walk into a 12 step group or a church group or any kind of support group and they'll not know anyone and they'll unload this huge tome of information. That's probably not appropriate Mm. for that setting. Right. It's too much, too fast. And I think you have to pick people that you trust, like a trust council. And then I I think, you know, my experience was, is as you start to have relationships with those people, you understand which people are right for each individual issue you have.
1: Right. Right. Good point. Good point. You got, and again, but it's practice. You're going to have to start, start small, start small, maybe not entrust somebody with your life. Um, Maybe just start, although we are doing it, it is an act of faith. And the only way we get there is to be willing to act. And unfortunately, we, we get willing to act out of pain.
0: Exactly. Well, that's one of the great things about the Recovered Life Network that we have is that there's a lot of times people will post a, a video and people will have issues regarding specific topics that that we're speaking about. And you can see people are more than willing to jump in with positive comments, I would say, you know, ninety nine percent. Like when I look back at some of the fear I had about asking for help, really, I don't think I even had a bad uh, a, a bad experience asking for help. It was just the thought that I would or possibly have a bad experience that was keeping me from what you know asking.
1: Right, and we we are we are the odd thing is we are helpful people. You know, codependency gets a very bad rap. We you know we are we are we, we are helpful people and we need the help of other people. So being able to give also is another way in which we can exercise that kind of practicing. Can I help you? You know, can I, can I suggest this? And we, in that kind of exchange, move forward that way, sort of a ratcheting up, if you will. Exactly. Exactly.
0: So the big takeaway is just do it. Ask for help. Ask for help if you need help. And if you don't get uh, people that are helpful right at the beginning, keep asking. Don't stop, because I think the statistics are on your side, wouldn't you say?
1: (laughs) They absolutely are on, George. We're on your side. Exactly. Great episode, George. Thank you so much. Thank you, Damon. Always a pleasure.
0: Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.